Welcome to the 10th episode of About IBD. I'm Amber Tresca, your host. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 1989, and I had J-pouch surgery in 1999. Today, I'm a patient advocate and educator for people with IBD. You can find all my informational articles at verywell.com, and you can find more about me on my personal site, which is aboutibd.com. You can also find me on the Twitter, the Book of Face, the Instagrams, wherever you like to hang out, and my handle is about IBD. On today's episode, I have Brooke Abbott of the Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles, and we discuss advocacy and how you can let your elected officials know how you feel about what's happening with healthcare reform in the United States. This is not a partisan discussion. We aren't talking politics here. What we're doing is giving you some tips and some tools on how you can make your voice heard by the people who represent you in our government. We do talk specifically about healthcare because that's where Brooke has expertise and because this is about IBD, but you can use this information and apply it to whatever other causes you care about, and I hope that you do. The point here is that we want to break it down and help you understand how you can connect with your congressional representatives and even people in your local government because you deserve to have your say please see the show notes. And by that, I mean, you're going to go to your podcast software and you're going to click on more or whatever it says, and it's going to expand. And you can see a whole bunch of stuff that I put in there because we talk about a lot of different tools and I want you to be able to find them easily. If that's not working for you, you can go to my site at aboutibd.com slash podcast. And I'm going to put a whole mess of information there for you to use too. Also, you can find my other episodes there, unless you've already listened to them. And with that, I bring you on how to get involved in activism with Brooke Abbott of the Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Amber. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you about advocacy today. Yay. I love talking about advocacy. Yeah, I kind of noticed that, which is why I asked you to come and talk to me about it. (laughs) (laughs) So we've had a lot going on as far as what's happening in our country with access to health care and access to insurance. And you are really taking the lead, I think, in sort of guiding the conversation and helping people to understand what's going on in the legislature and why we should be paying attention. And then when we are paying attention, what we should be thinking about and what actions we should be taking. And so I wonder if you could just tell me a little bit about your background and your experience and how it is that you know so much about this. That's so funny. I, it's so weird that when people say stuff like, oh, you're a patient leader or you're a expert in this, because I feel like the government is constantly uh, ebbing and flowing in, a, in a various, <clears throat> well, various directions. Um, so, uh, well, okay, as far as my background, I am a patient first and foremost, but I am also a political junkie and a political nerdy. And um, I had a lot of friends that worked up on the Hill. I kind of learned the ropes of how advocates, uh, how their voices are heard on the Hill and how they can be an instrument of change when it comes to um, pieces of legislation that have to do with their particular diseases. And um When I started advocating for IBD, I decided to kind of use that information and that skill set and some of my resources and connections and advocate in the policy arena because I didn't see a lot of people in the IBD community that were doing that as much as it needed to be done um, outside of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And so let me even take a tiny step back and ask you. I'm probably, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a novice when it comes to this. And not to say that I've had zero experience. 
I have had a little bit of experience. We did go together to yes, um, we did yeah <laughs> to Washington D.C. and to um, speak with uh, the legislative aides at several different offices of our representatives. And so uh, it's funny because like some of the jargon, like when you say the hill, like like what does that mean? The hill. <laughs> Well, technically, the Capitol, uh, which is that big building with the dome, it actually sits on a hill. <laughs> so that is why it's called the hill. Um, and it's funny because most people think that that's where you go initially, like you go to the Capitol to talk to your representatives or that you actually go and get to sit in front of your representatives. But um each senator and each congressperson actually have offices outside of Capitol Hill and in these surrounding buildings. So the Senate has three Senate office buildings and the House has three House buildings. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of the map in my mind. <laughs> right. Map out my day. Um and the only people that are actually in the Capitol building um, are the leadership. Uh, you got the speaker, you have the House Majority Leader, the House Minority Leader, uh, and then the Senate Majority Majority and Minority Leader. And um, it's interesting because before I started really like doing policy officially, like advocating and doing policy work and going to Capitol Hill, I used to um, advocate at fundraisers, which is probably not the best thing because when you're giving someone money, you shouldn't be saying, I need you to do this. But what I would do is I would be at these parties and I would be at fundraisers and or at any kind of political event, campaign stops and things like that. And I will I would pull a staffer aside and say, hey, did you know that, you know, X, Y, Z is going on? Um, for a long time, I was working with kids with autism. And I would say, hey, did you know that the you know, the average cost of living with a child or caring for a child with autism is X, Y, Z. Did you know that this is what the average family needs in order to live uh, comfortably and have a, a good quality of life for their child who has autism? And that's kind of where that started. And um, I would, at the time, I, I had a boyfriend who worked uh in, in and out of the White House. And so I would kind of use his contacts or talk to his friends and kind of, you know, talk about things that I knew that were going on in the autism community, the uh, AIDS community. And um, I was also just really overall um, interested in uh, patients with disabilities that weren't visible. And so before I even knew that I had IBD, I was already advocating. Right. And I think that that's a really key point is that you were doing this all along. This is not something yeah. that you have stepped into once ulcerative colitis presented itself in yeah. your life. Um, it's almost like you were sort of like primed and ready, you know, <laughs> and then unfortunately, ulcerative colitis hit you. And can you just tell everybody really quickly um, your elevator speech as far as your IBD goes? Yes, which is very key when you go to advocate. Um, so my elevator speech goes as following. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brooke Abbott. I am a 34-year-old single mother, and I have inflammatory bowel disease. I am now living with a J-pouch. I was diagnosed in 2008 with ulcerative colitis. I had my colon removed in 2012, and I am now living with IBD, AS, possibly psoriasis, and trigeminal neuralgia. And I am looking, I'm here today to talk to you about what it's like living with ulcerative colitis and how you can help patients like me have a better quality of life. Awesome. And that's how, that's how I start my meetings. And you're, you're practiced with it. Yes. What happened was, is that you and I went with a group we went to, and I feel so funny saying this, but we went to the Hill <laughs> and we went and we visited the offices of our different representatives and we live in different states. So we weren't together. We were going around um, to different places. And this is what would happen. We would sit down in a conference room or an office with a staff member. And now tell me from your experience, certain staff members cover certain 
different things. So were we yeah. typically meeting with the person who was responsible for healthcare? Yes. So when you make an appointment or if you go, like we were with the Digestive Disease National Coalition, so they make the appointments for you. If you're making your own appointment, the first thing you want to ask for is to meet with the person that is um, either the health legislative aide or the assistant health legislative aide. Um, if that person is not available or they don't have someone in that position yet, then you would meet with the uh, policy legislative aid or the assistant policy legislative aid. And the reason why you're meeting with these people and you're not meeting with either the representative or any other staff member is because, especially with health legislative aides, these people follow the health legislation throughout Congress. It's not just IBD, not just uh, any other chronic illness, but all aspects of healthcare or health coverage or research budget dollars that have to do with healthcare. That's their job. Their job is to follow that legislation and help that representative make um, a sound decision when it comes to voting and how their vote will affect their constituents and, and the rest of the United States. So you're meeting with, most of the time, you're meeting with the health legislative aid. Right. And when we met with these folks, they were clearly knowledgeable about the topics at hand. I um, am guessing that they may have seen people from the uh, Digestive Disease National Coalition before, or at least they've seen plenty of other similar groups. Yes, they actually see those people probably every week. Um, they have meetings with lobbyists. So you often we hear the word lobbyists and we think like, ooh, bad, not good, you know. But there is actually a health lobby, and it's basically a group of nonprofits that, that hire people that understand policy and legislation, and they go up to the Hill every week, or they speak to someone on the Hill every week in different offices, and they push for certain pieces of legislation. And so they're very familiar with the people that you're representing, or they're very familiar with the people who sent you to tell your story in these meetings. Right. And then even when we went to some of the offices, the congressional representatives sometimes already had relationships with some of the groups that we were represented when we were there. They may belong to a caucus or something like that. So a lot of times they're already aware. And the staffers would tell us that too. They would say, oh, yes, you know, you know, he, he or she sits on this caucus and therefore we're very aware of the concerns. But it was my experience that they did listen to everything that we had to say. They took notes. They were interested. They gave us their card. In some cases, they were able to give us a little bit of feedback, maybe a little bit of information as to what was going on that day, because things were moving at that time and now as well things were moving pretty fast and furious. And so they were sort of able to give us a, a little bit of an inside track, which was nice. So as far as the logistics of this, you and I went with uh, a, a big group and it was a coordinated effort. However, these are our elected representatives. We have a right to go and meet with them. So mm -hmm. how would someone go about setting up that type of a meeting? Well, there are a couple different ways that you can do that. You can travel to Washington um, like we did, or you can meet in your local office. And basically what you do, you first make the decision. Are you going to go to Washington? Which is often more effective because the policymakers and the, the legislative aides that, that actually work on the policy and actually work on the drafting of the policy of the of that particular representative's office, they're in Washington. But you can absolutely meet with someone locally and you call and say, I am a constituent. You give them your, your, you know, your information, your state, your district or whatever. You basically explain to them that you would like to meet with someone to talk about certain pieces of legislation. I'd never suggest that you, you go in without a plan. Even if you're meeting with a big group, go in and do your research on your representative. Find out 
what what committees they sit on, what bills they've they've voted on and how they voted, where they stand on your particular disease or issue, and then find out how you can be the most effective in your meeting. Let's say you have a local meeting, right? And I'm in California, so my representative is uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, she has a local office in Los Angeles where I'm at. And so I call them and I say, hi, my name is Brooke Abbott. I'm from the Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles. I am a health advocate. I am interested in talking to someone in your office that works on the health policy about, and then I will literally go down the line, about three different pieces of legislation that are up for a vote or that she has not co-sponsored yet, or maybe that she has co-sponsored and I want her to kind of put a little bit more effort into gaining more sponsors for that piece of legislation. So I go in, I tell them what my plan is, and then they'll give me a meeting. And I go down there and I speak to that particular um, aide. And if it's during a, a, a Senate break, and I know that she's probably in town, I will ask, is it okay if I, is there a way that I could possibly meet Senator Harris and take a picture real quick and blah, blah, blah. And usually if they're there, they'll, they'll absolutely say yes. But what's key here is that you do need to have a little bit of background information about what's going on. And so that does mean that you need to know a little bit about what bills are up for a vote and where your representative stands on them currently or if they haven't taken a position yet, basically, and are trying to make up their minds. Unless you are trying to propose a bill, it's best to go in there with an actual plan of bills that are already on the table and to go in with your story and why these particular bills are so important to you. I think that healthcare is a very emotional, personal topic for people. Naturally, our health is very important to us. I've been watching videos of you know, people just going into offices or just walking into offices and getting frustrated with not being seen or heard or not having whatever. And it's one thing to have like a sit-in or to have an organized activity, but to just walk in and just say, I hate that you didn't vote or I hate that you voted for X, Y, Z and you're horrible. It's not going to get you heard. You need to go in and say, I would really love to sit down with you and talk about, you know, let's, for instance, let's say, I would really love to talk to you about ACA. I have 10 reasons why it doesn't work, and I have 10 reasons why it does work, and I really would love to share that with you as your constituent. And you break down the bill, and you break down your reasons, and you have a, an actual discussion. And most of the time, you'll be absolutely heard. Of course, there are some representatives who don't remember that they work for you and (laughs) they don't often make themselves available. And that's fine. I always tell people who have those Congress people or those senators to go to someone else's office and say, hey, I tried to talk to, you know, so and so and I tried to talk to their office and they're blowing me off. And this is this is a real concern for me. And I'm very passionate about this. And I would like to talk to you about XYZ. And ACA meaning the Affordable Care Act. Yes, I'm right. sorry. Yeah, that's okay. See, it's that jargon again. But that's <laughs> all right. Because I want and- I just want to make sure that people um, uh, are getting a real good base and can then have a comfort level to do this type of thing, because it does. Look, it was intimidating. I, I, you know, getting on a train and going down to Washington, D.C., and then that whole thing, um, going to the offices, going to the Hill, you know, it was kind of a lot, but it was absolutely worth it. And I would do it again. And I've also been to some of my local representatives. I've been to their offices. And that was um, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really great thing to do. I don't want people to feel as though, oh, that's something that other people do. Or that's something that, you know, like uh, advocates like Brooke do because she knows so much about it. Uh, You're, you live in this country, you should have a say in how this country is run. And you have your opinions and you have your story and you need to tell your representatives because they keep track And I know that uh, we've had some discussions about this on Twitter, 
as to whether or not it's what's the most effective way to do things. So it's very effective to go into the office and meet with someone and present your issues and be heard. And then also sometimes you get a little bit back from that. And mm-hmm. the other thing was, is that when I went in to see my representatives, see their staff members, we were kind of already on the same page. And I think there might be a perception that, oh, okay, well, I agree with what they're doing. And so fine, I don't need to say anything, which was absolutely not true. If they're on the right path, then we have to keep reinforcing that and letting them know that they're on the right path. So it is important to call or to go if you can, even when you agree with everything that's going on right now. And it's not even just about checking up on them or making sure that they're they're doing right. A lot of times they will use our stories to sway votes. I mean, I'm sure I'm probably one of very few people my age who sit and watch C-SPAN all day, but (laughs) 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 I have to laugh at myself. I know I'm a nerd. It's fine. Well, I mean, it's really very funny sometimes because I actually, I I don't. And so you will let me know when something is happening. (laughs) So it's actually really good. Like, I feel like you're the person who you're handling that. As a matter of fact, I was at a dinner party the other night and that's how I described you. You were the person (laughs) that you were like, okay, you got the bill in your hands and you looked at it and you were analyzing it. And then you were letting the rest of us know, okay, this, what's going on. I like this. I don't like that. What is this? And it was just amazing because then I didn't have to read the bill. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's one of the great things. I think I look at some of the things that our representatives do as like, okay, well, I don't have to do that. You know, I don't have to do that part. Everybody's got a job. And, and, you know, when, when they're down on the floor, and they're debating, or when they're um, calling for a vote, and they're going back and forth and presenting their cases, Quite often, um, they will use letters, they will use information that you send them in order to what they call whip a vote or sway a vote. That's always a great thing. It's it's always good for them to remember who they're working for and that they need your vote, they need your support in order to keep their jobs. So it's always important, even whether you agree or disagree um, with your representatives, it's important to stay engaged and you know, as far as feeling like you're not qualified, there's nobody more qualified in the world to tell your story more than you are. There just isn't. I, you know, I will take emails from from people that email me and, and I always encourage like, if you're not able to make it, please send me your story. I will share it. Um, I often will send legislative aides stories that are sent to me. But if you can find the courage to pick up that phone or to write a postcard or to join a Twitter rally or go to the Hill. Um, If you can find the courage to do it, do it. There is no right or wrong answer when you're telling your story and how the healthcare system has affected you or how you need it to change in order to have a better quality of life. So we've gone over what we can do to actually meet with our representatives in person which is kind of a lot and not everyone can do that, which is fine. So I want to get from you some other ways that people can participate. And you mentioned some, there's uh, writing postcards and tell me why a postcard versus a letter or do both have different uses, for instance? Yes and no. If we're in a crunch for a certain bill, and every, you know, like a few weeks ago, the lines were flooded. Everybody was calling in about the uh, appeal and re- repeal and replace. Everybody was calling in. Everybody was sending letters. If you're sending a five-page letter to someone during that time, during a crunch time like that, they're not going to take the time to be able to read all that. If you send them a postcard with a simple, hi, my name is so-and-so, I live in such and such and I have XYZ and I need you to vote yes or no on blah, 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 because this is how it's going to affect me. In a short paragraph, 
they're able to look at that and put it in a stack and say, these are the yays and these are the nays. And that's what you want. You want them to be able to quickly figure out how they need to vote. Letters are good to send throughout the year. But if you're just trying to rally and advocate and jump on, I don't want to say bandwagon, but if you're trying to jump on a wagon that needs to be pushed through Congress right now, a postcard is best. A phone call is best. Something that's short and sweet. Letters are great when you're dealing with like the White House because it moves a little bit slower than Congress. Right. So when things are moving really fast and furious, I feel like uh, that you need to make phone calls. And for something that is moving perhaps a tad slower, postcards may be helpful. And then, for instance, if you would like to give a longer picture of what's going on with you and how something would benefit your or has benefited your life or would be detrimental, then you could use a letter. I feel like a letter is more of an overall broad. Here's my story. Here's the type of things that have been helpful to me. Here's the type of challenges that I've had in receiving healthcare or receiving my medications, for instance. And these are the things that I think need to change. I'll use my son as an example. Um, When he was, I guess he was about five, he wrote a letter to Senator Boxer. And it was an overall, my mommy's sick. This is what our life is like. And then we happened to be in Washington and they met. And every month or so, he would write her a letter. And it would be a more detailed not a blow by blow, but just a more detailed, like, you know, this is what our life is like. He wasn't necessarily pushing for any type of bill. He wasn't trying to ask her to vote for anything. He was just explaining what it was like to be a five-year-old with a mom who had a chronic illness. And that helped her in a different way. It didn't help her necessarily with one specific piece of legislation. It helped, as she said, to me later, that it helped put in perspective certain things that she wouldn't have thought about going to vote for certain research bills, uh, especially, she said, when it came to the budget. And that's, you know, that's not something that people kind of rally around, but it is important. The budget for us is huge um, as far as the NIH getting the budget money that they need and everything. And so when you have someone who is sending in budget proposals or is working on ways and means and appropriations and all of that, you want them to think of the long term. So there are just different different ways to constantly stay engaged. Um, One of my favorite senators is Cory Booker from New Jersey. And years ago, I was at a fundraiser that Uh, was for him when he was first running for Senate. And he said that politics is uh, a marathon, not a sprint, and that you must constantly stay engaged. And it doesn't mean that you're, you know, like me sitting in front of your computer face to, you know, C-SPAN all day long. But every now and again, just check in with your representatives and say, hey, you know, I wrote you a letter last week or last month, and here's a little update. This is what's going on in my life. And, um, you know, I saw that these bills were on congress.gov and just wondering where you're at and voting for those and yada, yada, yada. Exactly. It's good to just continually touch in. Mm-hmm. You know, when things are moving fast and furious, and then also when things are perhaps a little slower, although... That doesn't seem to be the case lately. (laughs) Everything is, I can (laughs) honestly say that in the years that I have been engaged in politics, this has been an interesting time. And, you know, I am a pretty, I mean, you know me, Amber, I'm, I'm a pretty bipartisan feeling like there are many things that are very bipartisan and, and most of my advocacy work is not partisan based. Um, But this, this year has been unlike anything that I've ever seen, that I've I've just I've never experienced uh, getting changes on bills in the middle of the night as many times as I have gotten since January. 
Right. And I know that it has happened in the past, but not quite as often like is it not like this. Yeah. And um, not like this. yeah. And we kind of had um, a period of uh, a week or 10 days where I felt as though all we were doing all day was making our voices heard. And so yeah. I want to talk a little bit about how we've been doing that online as I said before, you've been a patient leader in this. I know yeah. <laughs> you're not going to like me calling you that, but I'm gonna. <laughs> and so because you led a Twitter chat and there were some other Twitter chats and we were just kind of joining in left and right. And so for the people that feel as though, okay, things are moving so fast, but I made my phone calls today. Uh, I can't get into the office to speak with a staffer you know, obviously in the middle of the night. But right. now we have all these ways to communicate. Like, for instance, I'm on the email lists for my representatives. So every so often, I'll get these great notes that will, the, they're letting us know. And, you know, I don't know, I only know for my own districts, you know, they'll let me know what they're thinking about right now, and what their next thing is that they're going to do. And, I also follow them on Twitter and on Facebook, and I will let them know, you know, you, you're not going to necessarily get a tweet back. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to understand too, but they are noticing these, even these electronic communications, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, the numbers from, and I keep saying Twitter rallies, but basically it's like when you see all those hashtags going up, I think we had quite a few um, going up and it's basically in a 24 hour period where you see a bunch of people just using the same hashtag over and over and over again. And those legislative aides are paying attention to that. They're watching the hashtags that are trending and seeing the stories behind those hashtags. And those make a difference because they're seeing that, well, these people are from our district. These people aren't, you know, and, and this is how they're feeling and everything. But I'm going to, I'm going to back up just a little bit because you mentioned you're on the email list for your representative. And I honestly believe that social media and the internet have helped advocacy and activism so much. And um, one thing you can do is you can track pieces of legislation and other representatives through govtrack.us or congress.gov. And basically what you do is you find the piece of legislation that you know you're interested in or that the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is talking about or the Digestive Disease National Coalition is talking about or whatever and it allows you to track track it and so when somebody co-sponsors it when it's time for a vote or when you know it dies in committee or whatever the the website sends you an update. It sends you a notification and lets you know what's happening with it. If your representative that you're tracking votes, it tells you what they voted on and how they voted. And then you can click on that piece of legislation and see what it is. So that's a really good tool to just stay up on, you know, being able to find out what's up next. And then using social media, I mean, I've seen a lot of people on social media like tweet at their representatives, you know, and they go crazy and they're either like, you know, railing up against what they've just done or whatever. And it's one thing to kind of mention a representative in a tweet, but you can't expect them to get back to you or you can't expect that to create so much change. Um, I often say the best way is to join a Twitter rally or a Twitter chat. Um, if you do have some sort of grievance or complaint or whatever, use a generalized tweet and mention them in that tweet. And then you can screenshot it or whatever and email it to their office or take it with you when you visit their office or whatever. But try and keep the, the social media hostility down <laughs> a little bit um, just because it doesn't really help the movement. It, it tends to hurt it a little bit. And you're just not heard. Well, that's, and I think that's true of just about anything. If you walk in the door and you're hostile and you're yelling and not really being, you know, civil, that's not going to get you anywhere. That goes with anything. Right. But if you 
calmly make your points known, then you are more likely to be listened to and to get traction. And yeah, I, I see people every day who do tweet at representatives and it, it can sometimes be a lot. And I also feel as though too, that if you have something that big to say to them, that perhaps Twitter might not be the place, right. um, that it's one thing to say, I saw how you voted on this today. That's cool. That's not cool. Like I get that. But when you need to tell your story and give um, something that is far more nuanced than 140 characters, that perhaps Twitter is not the right place to do that. Or even Facebook. I, I typically don't comment a lot on the, uh, you know, I belong, I follow all of my re representatives on Facebook. They all have their official accounts. And, you know, like I said, I'm, pretty fortunate. I'm somewhere where they're letting us know what's going on and what their thoughts are on things. I mean, really in no uncertain terms. And that's awesome. I'm not really one to like comment, you know, yay, rah, rah, or boo, or, you know, anything like that. But I think mm -hmm. even like a simple like, or now on Facebook, we have the, I don't know what is it. It's not dislike. It's more like, it's like an angry face or, yeah. you know, I don't know, whatever. So like, you know, that's something that they can track. Like that's measurable, I guess is what I'm getting at is something yes. that is actually measurable that a staffer, and I'm not saying that their, their time is the same as anybody else. They're busy. They've got a lot going on, but they can look at this Facebook post and see how many people agreed with it basically, and how many people disagreed with it. And, and that gives them a really good bellwether for what's going on, at least for people that use Facebook. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's part of their job. Honestly, they they are supposed to check the temperature of their constituents. And so if you have, if you have someone, you know, say, Chris Murphy talking about something about healthcare, and then he's got most of the people in Connecticut putting angry faces on what he said, they're going to pay attention to that. Because that's part of their job. He, again, works for you and and, and works for you know, his constituents. I always say it's not easy. Like I don't, I've been doing this a long time, but it is never easy. I try to have patience and sometimes I get a little impatient. Sometimes they get a little impatient with me. I have been in meetings where I have heard my voice rise a little bit. I've been in meetings where I've heard the re legislative aid get a little stern or a little snippy. Um, these people are human. And I'm human. And I think that that's the first thing that I try to think about before I pick up the phone, before I walk into an office, before I even start, you know, some sort of social media rally, or um, I really try to put everything into perspective and just take a moment. Um, some people I've watched, they'll pray before they go into meetings Some people get calm before they go into a meeting. Um, and I, you know, say, three things. And my son, he says them too. We, <laughs> it sounds so cheesy, but we both say, be brave, be heard, be the change, change the nation. Those are four things that we, we normally say. And I say them to myself literally every single time before I walk into a meeting um, because I want to be heard. I don't want to get it wrong, but I also don't, I don't want to waste their time. And I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my own time. So I kind of just open myself up to and try and calm my nerves. And I try to open myself up to just their perspective and everybody else's perspective in the room. Especially when you walk into meetings with people that you know, you disagree with. That was interesting. And that was tough to walk into a room of a representative that I knew that my personal views on a bill did not agree with what they had publicly stated about that bill. But, you know, we sat down and, and, you know, it's not so hard face to face. I think it's a lot easier to be horrible to someone over electronic media, but sitting in a room with them face to face. And as you said, they're human. Those of us that are chronically ill, I think we need to remember too, everybody's a patient. Mm -hmm. We're all patients. We're all healthcare consumers. 
and you're walking into a room and we often also talk about how we, IBD in particular is an invisible disease, but there are others as well. Unless you know that staffer personally or have met with them before and they've shared something with you, you don't know what they're facing and what they went through to get into work that day. So I think sometimes it helps to, as you said, think of them as a human and also think of our representatives as human. They have families. Some of their families are chronically ill. And sometimes that changes how they vote on things. Actually, the... um... Well, he's not a congressman anymore. He retired, but he was the co-sponsor of the Crohn's and Colitis Caucus, Ander Crenshaw from Florida. His son had Crohn's. And that was like one of the reasons why he was, you know, so adamant. He he was a Republican for, from Florida. And there were so many things that, you know, we didn't necessarily agree on. But on this one particular is- issue, we found common ground. And that, I think that's, you know, we, we do that in life. But when you're advocating, that's definitely the first thing is that you got to leave the politics at the door. And someone said to me not too long ago, she was like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you can sit in, in a room with the enemy. And I said, well, that's the first thing that is the problem. You're looking at them as the enemy. These are people who have families, who have children, who have mortgages. When you Anybody can run for Congress. And I think that's one thing that people forget you don't go to school to become a congressman. <laughs> There's no like university of Congress. There's no university to become president. Anybody can work in our government. And it's important to remember that they all held jobs. I think uh, uh, Senator uh, uh, Cassidy from Louisiana, he's a gastroenterologist. And he and I were chit-chatting one day this, at this past year at, at, at uh, the DDNC public policy and um, he was asking me how my J-Pouch was going and ta- we were talking about little things. And, you know, if if I were to sit up and allow my personal politics to be the, the forefront of my mission, then I wouldn't have had a conversation with him. And you know what I'm saying? Yes. And, you know, I think that, w- well, when we were there at that particular day on the Hill that we did... I actually met with uh, the aides in a congressman's office that I was not as aware of his background because he was not from my state. So it was a little bit of catch up real quick <laughs> to try to, mm-hmm. but you know, he had a family member who had ulcerative colitis. And so even though on paper, I saw that he was someone that I thought we might have to work harder to sort of bring around to our side of the conversation. He actually wasn't. He he was already on the page. So, you know, it's it's definitely important before you go in and want to have a uh conversation to understand where they're coming from with things because we don't walk around with labels on ourselves. Right. And so you know, sometimes you may wonder why they voted a particular way on a certain thing. Maybe they went against, you know, what, you know, the party wanted them to do that type of thing. And that's because they're human and they, their knowledge and experience is informing how they're voting. And that's why we put them in office, essentially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think there are just three really important things to remember when you're advocating um for legislation. First thing is to remember that you need to stay open and that health health in general is a nonpartisan issue. The only reason why it's political is because we're using government money <laughs> to do research and, you know, a lot. So that's why it's it's uh, it has to do with politics, but it is it is nonpartisan. And that's the first thing. The second thing is um, to remember that that the people that you are working with or that you are talking to are human beings. And um, the third thing is to remember that your voice is absolutely important and critical in all of this. Um, They can't create change if they don't know what the problem is. That's true. And so we've talked about how we can let them know what the problem is. We can meet with them. We can call them. We can write them. 
We can tweet at them. We can Facebook them. Anything else? We can go to their town halls when they hold them. Absolutely. You can go to town halls. Um, I'm trying to think. What where else? Um, well, that's, yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. We pretty I much mean, covered it. I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're one of those people that gives money to certain uh, representatives, it it's not smart to say, I need you to vote this way, but it's always nice if you have an audience at a time to say, hey, you know, I'm a patient. This is quickly my story. Here's my elevator speech. Just came out here to support you because X, Y, Z. And it just kind of sticks in their mind. Um, I don't advocate for you to spend $1,200 a plate to go and try and hopefully tell your story. But if, you know, if the opportunity ever arises and you see, like if you see a Cassidy or a Booker in the airport and just say, hey, you know, thanks so much for voting for blah, 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 or I wish you had not voted for such and such. And quite often you will find that they will stop and say, oh, well, why do you feel that way? Or if you approach it in a nice way, you know, if you're if you're really interested in having a conversation, more than likely people will stop. You know, Senator Boxer stopped for my five-year-old and they had ended up having a I think of one and a half year, two year friendship. So, yeah, but he's real cute. So, yeah, you know, is. yeah, he's a booger. I, I, I don't know that, you know, we're all cute enough to sort of like stop him in our tracks like that. So this is true. This is true. <laughs> but it has been happening that, you know, we've been hearing on the news that people are being stopped in airports and so forth. And, you know, you mentioned Chris Murphy before, and he is my senator. And he he walked across Connecticut last summer. And yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was crazy. If you go, I feel like he wrote a blog about it, but I know mm -hmm. at least there was his Twitter feed and it was actually really fun um, to sort of get up every morning and sort of track him through the state because he let us know what was going on. At one point, he ended up, oh gosh, it's like the side of the road. He was like literally on the side of the road. It started raining really hard and he took a picture of, of, basically a place that he took refuge in that was like some sort of like wood storage box or something. I remember that. Yes. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> it was <laughs> on just the side of the road. On the side that. of the road. It was really just, this is a United States Senator. And that was like where he waited for the rain to pass. It was just, it's interesting. So I, I like it too, following them on Twitter and Facebook, because you also get to see a little bit more of their lives and what their life is like and what yes. they've got going on and really get to know them as people. And, you know, we were never able to do that before. Um, I don't think I ever told you, Brooke, but when I lived in Michigan, I'm actually from the Detroit area and I went to school in East Lansing. I went to Michigan State University. And after I graduated, we stayed in uh, the Lansing area for a while and I worked, uh, I volunteered um, sort of, you know, between like college and getting an actual real job, I <laughs> I volunteered at some of the uh, representatives' offices, and um, I actually did get to go to some of those things. It, it's not always a situation where um, you have to sort of fork over the money for the the plate to go to the dinner to get some FaceTime. Um, even in high school, actually, I, I I'm remembering. Oh my gosh feels like so long ago. Um, I'm remembering that I did some volunteer work. And so we actually got to meet the representative and shake his hand and so on and so forth. So there's, you know, there's lots of ways to get involved. Obviously, volunteering is not something that everybody can do. But but most actual like Congress people, I don't, I, I've never known many senators to do it. But most Congress people will uh, take you up on an invitation. If you have like, a group um, at a school or a, right. a boy scout or girl scout troop, or if you want them to come to your little league game, or if you just want to have a coffee with like 10 of your neighbors and you know, they are your district Congress person, you can absolutely take the time to invite them. And most of their websites have a little site where you can contact or where you can uh, invite them to things. And um, I'll, most of the time, they will at least get back to you and, and the scheduler will get back to you and, and see if, if it's possible. And so what you're saying um, is actually reminding me that 
we've been talking sort of at the national level, but at the local level, it's also really important to be involved. And when you do get involved at that local level and you really can uh, sort of get more face time and really local is where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. And when you get involved in campaigns, volunteering or helping them make phone calls, whatever it is, offering your services, whatever you have to, whatever skills you have, and you may think that you don't have any, but you definitely do. Um, I'm sure they'll tell you what they are when you, <laughs> when, oh, <yeah. laughs> when, when you volunteer, they will find something for you to do. And that's a great way to be involved as well and to learn, who, you know, who your local representatives are, even, you know, your school board, who's the mayor of your town, you know, all of these things. Oh, yeah. I actually, um, in, high, in, in high school, in college, I worked on my very first campaign and it was a local school board campaign. And um, I went from doing the volunteer work and then I coordinated all the volunteers and then I started doing the canvassing, the volunteer canvassing. Um, So there are so many different ways. And the great thing about the local school board campaigns or even just your councilman's um, campaigns is that if you have a pediatric patient or you um, or, you know, you were a pediatric patient or whatever, you are able to kind of influence how IBD is seen in your local area as far as your hospitals are concerned, um, your local businesses, your local schools, and everything like that. Um, At that time that I worked on that school board campaign, I did not know that I had um, IBD, but I actually spoke a lot with the woman that was working about um, the impacts of uh, public school on autism and students who had autism. Um, and HIV and AIDS, because that was my, my cause at the time. Um, so you can definitely, you know, get involved on the local level. And you may not even think that it is an important campaign or that it can have any impact on IBD, but in different ways, it absolutely can. Well, and, you know, and every time that you meet with someone that doesn't know anything or know much about IBD is an opportunity to educate someone and to let them know what's going on in our disease community and what's important to us. And you never know where that may lead. Um, you know, I, I have people, I mean, I, I don't necessarily get stopped on the street, not yet, but you know, I mean, almost every day there are people in my everyday life that I meet who tell me their stories. Mm-hmm. And it, it could even sometimes it's even people that I meet a friend of a friend and I might I might never see them again or anything like that. But they'll sit with me and they'll tell me their story and we'll discuss things once they find out who I am and what you know, what I do. Um, they, you know, definitely look to me as someone who's going to listen and then who may even be able to offer uh, some educated advice about it. So important to remember that every time you have that opportunity, you can affect change. Absolutely. Even even though you think maybe it's not a big deal. You never know. Mm, No, you never know. You never know who knows what or who knows who or, you know, you just, gosh, you never know. I mean, I cannot, sometimes I look at where my life has led and it's just kind of like, Really? This is where I'm at. It's crazy. I never would have thought. I went to film school like I don't need to go to no other kind of school because I'm going to be a filmmaker and my (laughs) parents don't know anything about what they're talking about. I'm definitely (laughs) not going to USC or Stanford. No, I'm going to a private film school because I'm going to be the best director ever and I'm going to have a pool in the shape of a guitar. Don't have a pool in the shape of a guitar. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, that was, that was not on my list, but now that's on my list. I want well, a pool in the so shape of a guitar. Oh my God. I wanted one so bad. And that was my driving force to being like the top director and or producer in Hollywood. Cause I wanted a guitar shaped pool. It was just, that was what I wanted. Ugh. I've been wanting it since 1986. Well, you know, I mean, it's true. And then of course, you know, Along comes IBD and has other plans for you. Right. Yeah. 
you know, but, same. But, you know, who would have thought that some of the skills that I learned um, as a filmmaker and working on that school board campaign and listening to some of my friends who worked in politics um, would help me now, you know? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And, you know... Um, I- or taking speech and debate. Who would have thought that learning how to break down a bill properly <laughs> would have oh. worked? <laughs> well, you know, speech and debate. All right. I'm going to segue just like two minutes into like unsolicited parenting advice. But trying to encourage your children to learn how to speak to individuals in front of a group and take a debate class, take an acting class, get up in front. You know, I volunteer with the Cub Scouts and with the Girl Scouts. And I encourage the kids to stand up and share, share anything, whatever, you know, what you have for breakfast. It doesn't matter. The point is, is to get them used to speaking to groups of people to the point where when they get to be an adult, that they're not like me. And then you go, you try to go to like the hill and talk to these staffers and like you have no experience in doing this the more that we can do that as parents i think the better off our children will be in the long run and it doesn't matter what they're going to do in their life no matter what you do in your life somebody at some point is going to ask you to get up in front of a room full of people and speak yep so all right that was my so unsolicited parenting advice for the day i need like a little like um music cue or something for that (laughs) amber's unsolicited parenting advice of the day yeah but you know what they're kind of spot on you've given me some doozies (laughs) i'm I'm all right i'm all right with with your advice some people who kind of send me crazy dms i don't know i don't Uh, know about those people uh, I know about those people and I'm not happy, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm always a good one for giving the, uh, you know, although Brooke, I am the one that sends the DMS though to like, not to people I don't know, but if I see something like I'm living the, if you see something, say something like for real. Oh yeah. It, it, if I see something, I'm like, hold up, you know, especially when I see, and this goes for, IBD, this goes for parenting, because these are things that I actually feel like I know something about, that when I see somebody giving some advice that might actually be harmful, um, I will definitely send a private message because I feel a responsibility. So yeah, yeah. I'm kind of that guy. Yeah, we're (laughs) twins like that, though, I feel like. (laughs) I also, when I see like typos, I do the same thing, too. I'm like, I do. Oh, see, I have bad grammar, so that people get by on that. But like the unbuckling, like the the not being able to buckle their kids improperly, or like <gasps> I see stuff like that. Like I just because oh. I hate to not know and have a tragic mistake happen to me, and knowing that someone could have said, "Hey, you know, you might just want to hmm, let's change that a little bit." That is exactly how I feel. It is not about. I know more than you do because I don't, I I don't feel that way at all about like anything or anybody, but I feel like if I see that that top buckle on that five point harness is like all the way down at that kid's belly button and not up at the collarbone where it needs to be. Yes. I will send a PM and say, yeah, I'm sorry. I care about your child. And just so you know, here's what proper car seat buckle placement looks like. Don't hate me. (laughs) All right. We talked about like a bunch of different resources. I'm going to put just like a ton of links in the show notes to all this great stuff. And Brooke, I did not know that you could sign up and like get emails in regards to what's going on with bills. Like I'm here doing it the hard way. So. Oh, yeah, girl. Like, listen, and I say this to everyone who's listening to this. I am nerd central. Like when it comes to policy, I am your girl. So come to me. I will show you how to navigate through. I don't mind people asking questions. I don't mind giving any information. I feel like we can all find a way to advocate for ourselves in some sort of way. If you want to learn how to break down a bill, 
tweet me. I will show you how to break down a bill. If you don't necessarily want to get that far, you just want to learn how to do your elevator speech, I'm here. And um, yeah, there are so many different resources. And, and you know, if you want someone to talk about what we saw on C-SPAN the other day, I'm here. I'm here, friends. I'm here. I know. And I'm going to put all of your contact information in the show notes, too. Um, and I would say any of the visible health advocates that you see on Twitter or on Facebook, um, don't hesitate to contact us, especially when we're in a very confusing climate right now. And uh, it actually helps me when people ask me questions because I might not realize that I didn't explain something very well or that people are thinking about a certain thing. And sometimes people even help me to think about things from a different perspective. So mm -hmm. it's an ongoing conversation and you shouldn't ever feel as though um, we're too busy or we'll never get back to you or things like that, because that's totally not true. Um, this is, this is who we are. This is what we live. So contact us, use us. We like it. Yeah. And there's a bunch of us and we all have our different strengths. So if you come to me and there's a question that I can't answer, I'm going to send you to the person that you need to talk to. Oh, that's absolutely true. That, that definitely happens all the time. You know, especially um, with stuff like, uh, you know, stuff that gets special, like ask me questions or people that are in different countries. Um, now we have such a nice little network that we probably know somebody that knows a lot more about that topic than we do. And we can direct you to them. Yeah. And we'll never send you to a not friendly person. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I don't like not friendly people. Well, so. no, we're not. We're not going to do that. Everybody we mm -hmm. send you to is going to be um, receptive and is going to want to help. So. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a pretty nice bunch. I think so, but yeah. you know. Anyway, thanks so much. <laughs> this is this has been a really insightful hour, and I'm actually really hoping. I feel like we really covered so many things. But I hope that people have questions so that we can talk about this some more and um, dig into maybe things that people are wondering about that we didn't get to this time. So there'll definitely be a like a part two, maybe part three, because you're my Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day we can actually do it from the hill. <gasps> oh. Ideas. I like ideas. That's really good. I know I would really like to go again. So I do hope we get the opportunity. I mean, we, you know, hey, in life, you have to make your own opportunities. Maybe we'll just have to make right. an opportunity. But um, yeah, definitely. We'll definitely put it in your mind about uh, Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Week because uh, that was on my list. That was on my your list. list. My okay. list. Yeah. So in December. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going down south in December. That sounds good. All right. Yeah, maybe we'll get snuck stuck in the snow with a big sign that says <laughs> I have IBD. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. Sounds like fun. As long sounds as we're like together. I know. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Okay. Well, anything else you want to add? You know, uh I I will say I know that it, it sounds intimidating and it sounds scary and um, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know anything about politics, but you know your health and uh, you know your body and you know your story. And that's really all that we're asking um, you to do when we when we ask you to advocate. Let the lobbyists sit up and argue uh, the points of policy, but you go in there and you tell your story and, and um, your voice, it matters. Um, we wouldn't have the Crohn's and Colitis Caucus. We wouldn't have Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Week. We wouldn't have a lot of um, the patient or person-led pieces of legislation um, that we have now, dating back to the Voting Rights Act. I mean, all, all of these things come from people standing up and, and being heard and being diligent about being heard and telling their stories. So I love your it. voice matters. And if you don't have your elevator speech, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to my article on how to create your IBD elevator speech. Kablam. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brooke. 
<laughs> Thanks for having me, Amber. I love this show. Uh, I'm so glad. Yeah. It's super fun putting this all together. So it's great. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right. And there you have all the tips and tools to get started in advocating for yourself and for others in our government. Plus, I gave you some ideas on raising well-rounded humans. Little bonus you probably didn't expect. Now that you know what to do, you can get started in advocacy in whatever way you feel comfortable. If you still feel as though you're out of your element and you need a little encouragement, get in touch with Brooke or myself on social media. All our contact information is in the show notes, or you can go to aboutibd.com or crazycreolemommy.com and you'll find us there. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe in iTunes or Google Play or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you subscribe, you get episodes right away and they just automatically appear in your app. It's so easy. Plus, it helps me out because I can continue to bring you more content. Be brave. Be heard. Be the change. Change the nation. My special thanks to Brooke Abbott. And until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. Thank you.